So we've been in the book of Acts. We made it through chapter 1. Uh, we're going to finish up chapter 2 today. Uh, let's think about what's happened in Acts so far. Maybe I should quiz you. What's, what's happened in Acts? I was serious. I'm going to quiz you. Yes, Pentecost. Before Pentecost, what happened? Anybody remember? Jesus ascended, right? I think more than one of you are just going to say that. Jesus ascended. The disciples stayed in Jerusalem, right? They were told to stay in Jerusalem. They did. Yeah, they chose a replacement uh, for Judas, right? Then Pentecost comes. The Spirit of God comes, just as promised. And then they go out. They overflow into the streets on the day of Pentecost. And somebody ends up preaching. Who was it? Peter, right? The crowd responds, and we get to the very end of chapter 2 with this crowd's response, and it says this, uh, verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I'm not going to preach on this particular verse right now, but just think about that for a second. Can you imagine 3,000 individuals that day heard the preaching and responded I think that's every preacher's dream, isn't it? This happened. 3,000 people. This is, this is the beginnings of the church. So there's 3,000 people. So what we'll read next is going to include what we think now about 3,120 people because there was 120 already that were disciples. And now we have this 3,000 more. So we've got 3,120 people. And uh, what we're going to read next in Acts is the description of this church. Verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as, they had need, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so it doesn't end at that 3,120. There's more that are being added. Here we have the first church. Uh, I think that you don't have to be a Bible scholar to go, wow, there's something we can learn from this, isn't it? This is the very first church. What was their setup? What did they do? What were they like? What sorts of things happened? Um, how did they do things? All these questions could be asked about this church. And so I think today that's a great thing for us to do. Especially, this is perfect for New Year, isn't it? Every pastor wants to say, well, how are we going to start off the New Year? So here's a, this is just perfect timing. We're, we're following through Acts and we get to this summary passage. In fact, before I go on, for those of you that like the technical stuff, this is, I'm talking to you, Katie, um, the, the, the technical stuff. This is, this is a summary passage. And so Luke has several of these, so he'll, he'll tell a story, and they'll have a little summary of some things that happened, and then he'll be telling a story, and there'll be a little summary. This is the first of those little summary passages that he has. These summaries serve to connect stories. So we, we just have the story of Peter preaching, and then we're going to go into another story after this. And so this little summary is right here in the middle, kind of summarizes several things that happened. I think the key passage here, or the key verse in this is verse 42. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So there's 3,120 people. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. 
Notice first that the church was devoted. It says in verse 42 that these Christians were devoted. Now those words, devoted themselves, that is one, that's one word in the original, those devoted themselves. It's a word that has this idea of being steadfast, connected to. You can even think of it as being glued to. These are things that they're stuck to. Okay, so when you think about devoted, this is the stuff that's sticking to the church. And the first one that's mentioned is the apostles' teaching. For those apostles, as evidenced by Peter's sermon that we just made it through, this, this teaching was rooted in the scripture. You guys remember that when we looked at Peter's sermon? There was th- in that short little summary of his sermon, there were three Old Testament passages that he used to exposit, to teach um, that on that first sermon. For us, this includes the New Testament as well. I mean, that's literally the apostles' teaching. And in fact, that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're, we're going through these books of the Bible. This is exactly what we're supposed to do. I'm going to summarize that first part by saying it this way. Devotion to the Word of God. As a church, here we are. We're not all here together today, but right, here we are. We ought to be devoted to the Word of God. That's, that should be like a key thing that we are glued to. How do we do this? Or maybe I could say, how are we doing this? I mean, that's a good question to ask, isn't it? Have we been doing a very good job at this? Maybe this is like a, a checkup. We just went to the doctor, checking our vital signs here. For the pastors, John and I, the rest of the leaders of the church, one of the things that we do to try to keep this being glued to the Word of God is exactly what I'm doing right now. When I preach, when I'm, I'm thinking through the week, I, I, I don't spend time going, gosh, I wonder what I should talk about this week. What am I doing? I'm going, what's the Bible say? Right? We're working through. They call this expository preaching. And so I'm working through passages of Scripture. It's not like I never take a little sidetrack or there may be things that God may lay on my heart and I feel like, hey, this is a good time to talk about this. Think over Christmas time is a great time. I always think, hey, you know, I'm going to talk about the gospel message. What is Christianity all about rooted in Jesus? And so I, I do those kinds of things. But overall, as a church, we're rooted to the Word. This is our measuring rod. All of our teaching is understood through this book. For you, right, that was us. For you, that's not me. It's the devil. It's the devil. <laughs> Satan is in this room. We'll figure it out in a second. Can I talk, can you guys, see, can you guys concentrate with that in the background? Yeah. No? <laughs> Some of you are going, yes. But I know what you're thinking. That's static. It is me. <laughs> I turned it off for a second. What's this? Is there a wind current in your beard right now that we can't see? No. Static in that beard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is this on Facebook right now? Yep, probably. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice fiddle. Fiddle with that, John. Yeah. We'll just let you fiddle. All right, I'll talk really loud. Can I express myself with enough volume? <laughs> well, this is great. See, now I feel like I'm getting on to you because I'm going to talk about what this means for you. Right? What are we talking about? The Word of God. For you, you ought to be reading your Bibles. Still static. 
Okay, we're, we're actually working on a way, we were talking about this again this morning, we're working on a way to try to help you through this, because I know some of you, some of you, you, you've tackled this, this task of reading the Bible, and some of you, you have a Bible reading plan that you follow, uh, but we thought, hey, let's try to, to work on this and give you, and so I think what we're going to do right now is we're going to try to, and we're going to start next week in the bulletin, we're going to have in the bulletin a weekly reading. Wouldn't it be kind of neat if all of us together were reading the same passages that might be kind of neat. See, something you're nodding your head. See, that's a, that's a good idea, isn't it? I wish I could take credit for it. I, don't, I didn't come up with it. This is a great thing. But this is exactly what this church was about, and this is what we ought to be about. And so this is more than just coming to church on Sunday and hearing uh, the pastors preach the Word of God. You should be doing this through the week, right? And so this is one way I think we're going to try to help you is by including some Bible reading passages. And so instead of doing a daily one, I think we're going to just give a little chunk and we're going to say, this is what you're going to read this week. And so before you come back to church on Sunday, you'll have read that passage. Now, what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to work through the New Testament. So I'm not for sure we're going to, where we're going to start yet. I'm kind of leaning towards starting with John. We've uh, preached through John before. It's a familiar passage. But working through this, so that by the time we get to the end of the year, now some of you, you do the whole Bible in a year. Um, if you, if that, that's a lot to tackle if you're not used to that. But for the rest of you, I think we're going we're gonna to try to get so that by the end of the year, you'll be able to say, I've read the whole New Testament. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Okay? Especially for those of you that haven't had a chance to really dig into that. This is a way that we're going to try to help each other. Um, so weekly readings. I think you ought to be evaluating the preaching. When I preach, you shouldn't just go, that was good. That was great. You know what you should be doing? You should be evaluating. Yes. In fact, I have this in my notes. In church circles, we call this being a Berean. Because later on in Acts, we talk about this, this group in the city of Berea. Did we figure anything out? I have one more thing to start. It doesn't work that well. Okay. Ignore that, man. Um, the, the Berean church, Paul commended them because instead of just hearing Paul, uh, Paul, Paul the Apostle, instead of just hearing him preach and going, okay, it says that they heard what he preached, they went back home, they opened their Bibles, compared it, evaluated it, and said, hey, that's true. And then they came back and said, you were right. That's what it ought to be for you as well. When you hear me preach on Sunday, you, if there's anything I say and you go, I don't know about that, you should write it down and go, hmm. I, I would not mind that at all. In fact, that would make my day probably. If you came to church the next week and go, you said something, I don't know about that. You know what I'd do? I'd go, shut up. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd say, really, well, look, you know, let me look into that. You know, I, I, I'll, because I, I'm a human being. Right? We're in this together. You're praying and hoping, right? And so this, this continues this idea of being devoted to the Word. Yay. Pardon me. You guys are not going to remember this sermon at all. All you're going to remember is the microphone was static. He was distracted. Okay? Um, oh, I need to stop yelling now. Testing, testing. Okay, gotcha. Um, as you're taking these things that I'm preaching home with you and evaluating, I mean, that's such an essential part. You should be, before you come to church, praying, saying, Lord, Matt is going to preach and he's mad. Would you help him? Help him, Matt. Please. I mean, you know Matt, right? Lord, could you help him out? Because what do you want at the end of the day when you leave here on Sunday? Truth. Truth. 
Not Matt's opinion. I've got some good ones, mind you, but that's not what you want to leave with. You want to leave with what? God's opinion. In fact, the best thing that I, I hope for is that when you walk out of here, you forget it was even me, and you're just thinking, man, God spoke to me today. God spoke to me today. And let's be honest, that's not going to happen without a miracle. Right? Every week we, we pray and we hope for a miracle that God will somehow, by his power, by his grace, speak through a fallible human being that we might hear the truth. But if we're going to be God's kind of church, we ought to be devoted to the Word of God in such a way that we're doing all these other things. I threw in here a couple other examples, things that you ought to be doing outside of church. You, you should be finding times to learn more about the Word of God outside of church. How about preaching on the radio? I, I think there's some amazing things that you can learn. There's a lot of great preachers you can hear on the radio or online, devotionals, books, right? Spiritual Bible studies. Maybe even starting Bible studies with other people that you know. They don't have to even go here. Right? Get a Bible study going. Hey, we're going to study this book of the Bible together. How are we doing? Let's take our pulse here. How are we doing? Are we in a healthy church? Uh, Bible preaching? Pretty good. Bible preaching. Bible preaching. Yeah, we got that. Are you mocking me? Um, Bible reading? How are you guys doing on that? That's a real question. I'm asking you right now, and I'm looking at you to see how you respond. This is a little group today. I can do that, can't I? Who would say you're doing okay? Yeah. They say that you have room to improve. Yeah. Okay, so this this is great, though, because it, you know what? That's okay. Can we do this together? Can we maybe make this a year that we're going to say, okay, 2018 is going to be a year where I, I spend more time reading God's Word. I, I think we can do this together. You're going to have to help me. We tried this one other year, and it kind of fizzled. Okay, so you guys are going to have to work with me on this. We're going to try to make sure our part's going to be putting those things in. But one of the things you can do to help keep that going is weekly, when you've read your passage, that's where you have to start. Maybe even talking about it when you come in and say, hey, did you read the passage this week? All right? Talking to other people. Yeah, I really like that one part. What about this thing here? You know what I learned this week? I mean, that's the kind of stuff that ought to be happening uh, when you come in here and we have these times before Sunday school and right after Sunday school, before the, the service starts sharing what you're learning from Scripture, okay? Consider the remainder of verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and then it says, and the fellowship. Now, I'm going to pause right there for a second. I'm going to put it this way. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to one another, not just to the Word of God, but also to one another, the word that's translated fellowship, let me go back to that verse for a second, I'll come back there in a second, but that word that's translated fellowship, Luke, only Luke who wrote Luke and Acts, he only uses this particular Greek word once in all of Luke Acts, and it's right here, translated fellowship. But it's actually a word that you're familiar with. If you've been with us through the study of Philippians, Paul uses this same word that's translated fellowship several times in Philippians. He uses it when he it's translated partnership. You guys remember that in the beginning of Philippians? He says, I praise God for your partnership in the gospel. This word fellowship, fellowship's a good translation of this word, but it's much more than just, hey, getting together. It's, it's a commonness, it's a oneness, it's a, it's a partnership. This word is sometimes used, if you remember this in Philippians, is sometimes used when people go into business together. Right? It's a partnership. And so when it says right here, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and then to fellowship, it's more than just getting together, it's us together. We 
together. I think that's already evidenced. This devotion to one another was already evidenced when it said they were they devoted themselves. There's connection there, like together we're devoted, we're glued to this. But now we see a little bit more clearly in this word fellowship. One of the commentaries I was looking at this week uh, was written by a guy named Tony Merida, and in his commentary he put this uh, right in connection with this idea. He said the church is God's plan. And now, obviously, I'm quoting Tony Merritt because I really agreed with this quote, right? The church is God's plan. That plan is bigger than the random conversion of a few individuals. Christianity is personal, but it's not individualistic. A little side rabbit trail here. This is one of the things that I think plagues the modern church. Our, our spiritual lives are individualistic. How I'm doing spiritually is, is not your business. That's not right. When it talks about being devoted to one another, that, that, I mean, can you imagine being in business with somebody and running a business with them and your business partner says, you can't look at any of the finances that I'm doing in the business. Would that business succeed? No. That would not. It would not succeed. What do you have to do in a partnership? There's got to be this openness, this connection. Like we, we are doing this business. And that's what this idea is here. And so he says, it's personal, but it's not individualistic. It's corporate. Jesus is saving a people for himself. Right? He's not, it's not just about saving you. It's about saving a people. Because when we get to heaven, there's going to be a people, the people of God. All going to be there together. But it's a very important element. These people were devoted to one another. I think in my years as being a preacher slash pastor, which I can say that now, years, been years now that I've been doing this. Um, I think I've learned the significance of this one another more and more each year. This doesn't work if it's a one-way street, if I may be so bold. If the, if the fellowship, the partnership of the church is all depending on the pastor, if the, it's the pastor trying to you know make all the connections, it's not going to work. Especially when you got a pastor like me. I'm a bit of an introvert, right? I can naturally, my natural, now there's some pastors that are not like that. They're like out there, woo, yeah, and they're like talking to people. I mean, I, I, I can do some of that, but but I also like my time when I'm like by myself, right? I, I like those times really well. When I'm with people, it, it kind of kind of drains my energy a little bit. Anybody else introverts in here like that? Oh, my mom, yeah, yeah, we got a few of us, right? Right. You know, but here's the thing, it's so important. Even as someone who's an introvert, it's so important, this, this togetherness that we have. This is essential, and it's not going to work if it's a one-way street. This has to be all, in fact, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put it this way. I, I need your help in this area. Because this isn't my natural way of doing things. It is together, right? This is something that as a church, we have to work on together. And I'm telling you right now, as your pastor because this isn't my natural ability, I always need your help in fostering and developing this partnership in the gospel, this, this partnership in the church, this, this fellowship with one another. <clears throat> um, another aspect of this, I found this true in my own life because I, I think that one of the things that sets aside this, this particular fellowship, many of us, I think, now, I'm, I'm going on a web. Did you notice I introduced this next part with, I think, okay, so I'm, this is my, this is Matt, okay. I, I think when I think about all of this, besides the introvert aspect, I do think 
that one of the issues that the church faces is that many of us have a circle of friends. We have a community. We don't call it, this is our community. We've got our little circle of friends. These are people that we call on when we need help. These are people that we connect with and, and we, we help each other and all these other things. And, and many times uh, with, with church, that circle of friends already existed before you got connected to a church. And, and, and you have to understand that that, that's, that makes sense. That happens. Everybody has their little circle of friends. They have their, their people that they connect with and they, they know really well that's going to happen. But, but I've noticed that in my own life that the, the longer that I'm a Christian, the more if that circle of friends is outside of the church, non-Christians, I find myself having less and less of a strong connection with them because, frankly, we're headed completely different directions. They may be good people. But I'm headed towards Christ. And they're not. And I find myself, a lot of times, I, there, there's people I've had great friendships with and great relationships that are outside of the church and not non-Christian people. And, and I find myself more and more when I'm with them, my heart is continuing more and more to, to, to just simply think, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. You know, at first it's, Jesus has entered into my life and it was just this one extra thing and here I am with all my friends and that Jesus is just something I've kind of added in. But the longer I'm a Christian, the more I see it. And you see this in this early church. These Christians, initially, you see them begin to form this bond where their circle of friends becomes those people of God. It's not because we want to exclude those outside the church. In fact, you're going to see this in this passage. They, they were continually out, reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. But the goal is not reaching out to bring Jesus over here. The goal is to say, we're the people of God. We want to pull you in to the people of God. But in my opinion, I think that we struggle with this because a lot of times we, we want to maintain and bring Jesus over and just have him here when we need him. And that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And you see this in this, this, this New Testament church. You see them as they're devoted to one another. You see them having issues with this old circle of friends. That's not what they called it, but everybody else. You see them having issues with family. In fact, Jesus himself says, while he was on this earth, he says, it, you may find that you're going to have to, and he uses the word hate, not in the sense of hate, but he says, hate your father and mother, hate brother and sister. It's not that literally hate, but he's saying compared to this, the love that you're going to find that you're going to have for Christ, and God's people, this diminishes. And I think that it's okay that Jesus used the word hate because sometimes what happens? It, when, you, when you enter into the community of God and, and you find yourself drawn away into that community, what happens with some of your lost family members sometimes? They go, they hate us. They think they're better than us now because they're going to church. And no matter what you do, say, no, I love you. I want to bring you in here with us. What do they see? You left us. You left us. But this devotion to one another is an essential element of God's church. You see them. I mean, right off the bat, the church was devoted to the Word of God and to one another, entering into partnership with one another. Let's look back at verse 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And then it says, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now, the way this is phrased, the breaking of bread and prayers are not two separate things. This is like expanding this fellowship. So this fellowship that it says, it, it, what Luke is doing is he's expanding, explaining the fellowship. 
with two things. The first one is the breaking of bread. Now, this is a clear reference to the Lord's Supper. For those first Christians, the Lord's Supper was the centerpiece of their worship service. This is why I've, I've often thought, I wonder if we ought to do that every week instead of just once a month. There's a lot of times I think, maybe we should do that every week. Because for them, that was a centerpiece of their service. I mean, breaking of bread was kind of a, a way of saying the meal is starting, right? We're getting ready to eat. You know, we, we, we say a prayer before we eat, but they, they would also, part of that, because they'd have a loaf of bread, they'd break the bread. and that, But it also became, for those first Christians, a way of signifying the, the breaking of Christ's body, that he died for us. And so they'd use this phrase, the breaking of bread, uh, talking about the Lord's Supper, but for them it was all about fellowship. In fact, in Matthew 26, when you see Jesus celebrating the Last Supper with them, it says afterwards they got done, there was, I mean, there's teaching involved, right? Jesus is teaching them around the Lord's Supper. He's, he's uh, worshiping with them. In fact, it says they leave when they, they sing a hymn together when they leave. So when you think about this breaking of bread, this is one of the essential elements of fellowship is what we're doing right now. We've come together. There's teaching. There's singing, right? We haven't had communion today, but we do that once a month, right? These are the essential elements. You also see this. In this passage, you see constant interaction with one another. In verse 46, you see constantly, it says day by day, they were together. Not just once a week. They were together day by day, interacting. Uh, you see them gathering in both large and small groups. In this passage we just read, you see them in homes. It mentions that they were in homes together. It also mentions that there were some public gatherings where they were called a Solomon's portico. This is basically a, a, an extension of the temple, so they were outside uh, in huge gatherings, but they were also in small groups. This was genuine and not forced as well. You see this, and I'm going to put it this way. There was a spirit of awe, gladness, and praise to God. You see them praising God. There was awe. There was this amazement. There was a genuine aspect of this pulling all together. So this fellowship is expanded by this idea of the breaking of the bread, this worshiping together, the, all the elements of a what we would call a church service. Also note there was radical generosity with one another. Okay? Now this is interesting. Did you notice when I read that initially that they were, what were they doing? They were selling their possessions and having everything in common. That's interesting, isn't it? Um, now remember Luke as he's sharing history. He doesn't by any means stretch and there's no other places in the Bible where it says this is how we ought to always do this. But the spirit is definitely there that when we as a church, there's a generosity that we have towards each other that's emphasized. There's places in the Bible talk about generosity to the poor of this world. But understand in Scripture, there's an emphasis on Jesus' people looking out for Jesus' people. We ought to primarily be looking at each other and saying, where's your need? What do you need? What's going on here? How can I help you? And also you coming to us saying, this is my need. How are we doing I should have brought a blood pressure cup up here. Right? Let's pump it up. How are we doing as a church? Checking our, our spiritual blood pressure. What are some things we do that matches up? Okay, so I'm going to force you to get involved here. Just talked about devoted to fellowship with one another, and I gave some examples of breaking the bread, and then I said with the breaking the bread, see I'm helping you out here, right? With breaking the bread, they, they, it's kind of like they're the centerpiece of their worship service, and I mentioned in Matthew 26 that after they broke the bread, then they, what did they do? They sang together. Okay, so so what are some things that we're doing? So if we're checking our vital signs as a church, what are some things we're doing that are right on track? Yes? I can share an experience recently. Uh, okay. My brother-in-law just had a massive heart attack. Yes. All four coronary arteries 
person was not showing these problems mm. because there was no difference between the two signs between the Dorothy's because they knew something was going on. But anyway, yeah. they don't even know how he lived and made it to Carl. Okay, so I share that with the church. Uh, you know, okay, through text with Pastor Charity Tracy, you know, who's on my list. Anyway, and they said, and came, and it came back, you know, let us know if there's anything. Well, he wasn't sleeping at night. He needed to be up. Could not lay down and breathe once he got home. So I let you all know, we're looking for a uh, recliner. Hmm. Charity comes back, and she says, I put it on Facebook for everybody else. Hmm. <laughs> I do not do, do Facebook. I don't even <laughs> think about Facebook. Yeah. I was very thankful that she put it out there. You know, we did find one. It was through a family member, you know, in another text. But just that, let us know if you need something. Yeah. I knew you meant that. Mm -hmm. So therefore, when something came up, I shared it with you. And it did what we could do. Yeah. I appreciate that. Absolutely. It, okay, that's a great example, isn't it? <clears throat> and this is what we ought to do. I need help. Here's a need. What are some other things we're doing? Yeah. Well, bouncing off of hers, I... There are so many things about Facebook that I utterly hate, but I do think that our our it gives an opportunity for many in the in in our congregation. Not everyone's on there, but many in our congregation to exchange prayer requests, challenges, um, encouragements via our Facebook private page. Um, so you know, I know about stuff that's going on with you know Paula and her family. Mm -hmm. That I may not have, I wouldn't, we don't run into each other during the week, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So that, while it's a warped sense of constant interaction, yeah. it, it, it is sometimes very helpful. Um, and so I, I think, I love that people are willing to be open on there and say, right. you know, I, I'm having a rough day or so-and-so sick, can you pray? Um, tangibly, this happened this morning as far as just looking out for each other. One of the things I love about our church is that we we aren't segregated throughout the building. Mm -hmm. So, like, we don't have 20 teens in another part of the building right now somewhere in this. We all are a family. Mm -hmm. And so Norma came in with this little velvet bag today um, full of quarters for Samuel for laundry at college. Okay. That's nice. And I don't know if he does his laundry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not until he has to. Like, yeah. Until yeah. He has to. Okay. Yes, he, you know, he should. So <laughs> she doesn't talk to Samuel very much, but he's a part of our body, and she's mm -hmm. looking out for him. Yeah. And um, I think that that, to me, Norma, who is now living on her own in her home, um, bringing coins from my kid is radical generosity in my mind. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that is something that we are doing well. Yeah. And I think starting Second Look Bible Study on Wednesday night, even though that's a challenge for your schedule, is another way that we are trying to get together, interact in small groups. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that. She makes good decisions too. Wednesday night was a blessing. Yeah. And I would encourage anyone that can come. I know it's tough to leave work after a full day, and you especially. But I have learned things about mm -hmm. the people that intimately that come. Yeah. Um, as 
as an example, Billy. Mm. She, my son needs to be her, her teacher. Oh yeah, that's and right. She has the cutest little story about being at a at a rummage sale that she was doing, and she had a frog in her throat. And so, but just little <laughs> infant, you know, Steve comes to that. Mm. He's very quiet. Yeah. You become more intimate, and you just share life a little bit more, and it's on God's way to share it around. It's yeah. too long from Sunday to Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm not on Facebook. Okay, is there any way to get just Edgewood's Facebook to pop up if there's something that goes on? We can figure that out. Uh, yeah, we can figure that. In fact, we we talked before about because almost everybody texts at least. Um, getting like a, a text list where we can say here's a need and shoot it out via text instead of just. I miss the old yeah. phone call. Yes. <laughs> the, remember the the prayer chain phones. Remember that you know you start the prayer chain. Yeah. Two minutes. I don't care if I get double messages. That's better than no message. And yeah. then you walk in and find out something's going on and you were completely oblivious to it and you feel like where am I? I'm out here somewhere. Yeah. I mean Bruce is on it. Yeah, but I'm not for personal reasons and things. I just I hate Facebook. Yeah, but I do know that it is a good tool when it is used appropriately. I just don't want to have to scroll through yeah. thirty some, forty <laughs> some things to find you know what I'm looking for. Oh yeah, yes. I I think one of the things that I I personally appreciate because when you are the pastor and, you know, associate pastor and the wives, you feel the brunt of needing to stay check. You need to check in on people, especially when they're not here um, and making sure that they know that they can be open or transparent about why they're not here and if they're struggling. So it always blesses my heart because I usually come to church on Sunday and then somebody won't be here and it'll hit me that they weren't here last week either. And I'll start to have this like panic, like, Oh, we've dropped the ball. But then, you know, it's like today during Sunday school, Jean said, you know, we said, oh, where, where's Chuck? Jean says, no problem. I checked on him this week. He's sick. Um, you know, there are times where I worry about, you know, other people that are missing. And, and Lucinda will tell me, like, I got with her this week. I've talked with her this week. Um, you know, and so just knowing that people are staying connected and looking you know, outside of the, the leadership is so encouraging because we can't stay on top of everything. Yeah. Uh, this is the second Sunday without Steve Simpson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I guess not. Now would be, now be the perfect <laughs> time for somebody to say, I told him. Yeah. But we think of Ed and Don, mm-hmm. you know, and these yeah. others that they just can't make it here anymore. They're still part of us. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah. So, you, know, now you guys have jumped ahead because, see, the last thing I was going to do was, how can we do better? Uh, I want to go back to how we're doing good for a minute here. Well, we didn't say we weren't doing bad. I just want to acknowledge yeah. they may not be here, yeah. but they've not left our minds or our hearts or yeah. our ears. Um. Let me give a final thing, then let's come back to this. Uh, oh, let's see, there's how it is. Notice there was one more thing that was mentioned in verse 42. It said, into prayers. They were praying. They were a praying church. Um, 
Uh, it doesn't specify how here. We can learn this from other passages through Acts as we look at how they prayed together and you see them. And this is one area I think we definitely need to grow in is praying together. Um, we did that this morning, actually. We had a, a time of prayer this morning instead of our Sunday school. We did a time of prayer. Um, we call this corporate prayer. And uh, so then I was going to say, how could we do better? You guys kind of jumped the gun on me there a little bit. Um, and so I want to continue this discussion, especially I want to start off with the, the, with the prayer side of things. This is, this is one of those things that I know that some people find it difficult to pray publicly. And I want you to know right off the bat, you shouldn't feel bad about that. Um, don't ever think that you have to pray eloquently. You think God is impressed with an eloquent prayer? And so, you know, these are things that we need to, and I, this is one of the things I'd like to include on our second look on uh, Wednesday nights, having a little bit more of a time of prayer and giving those opportunities for us to pray together and share those requests with each other. But there are a lot of things I think that we're doing really good. Let's go back to the good things for just a minute. Do we sing? Do we praise God? Uh, I love our praise time. Uh, many of us, we, we stand in awe of what God is doing and go, man, God is just amazing. God is doing these wonderful things. We're just uh, impressed by it. Is God speaking to us through his word? Yeah. And so there's there's aspects of uh, us as a church, if we were taking our vital signs to keep my little metaphor going, if we were taking our vital signs, I think there's a lot of things we could check and go, we're doing pretty good. But it's kind of like when I go to the doctor, you're doing okay. You're alive and your heart is beating, Matt, but uh, um, there's also some issues. And I think that's exactly where we need to go. We need to say, what, what issues do we need to work on? What issues do we need to deal with? And I think that what you guys are pointing out, what you guys are noticing, this is why I see I'm completely off my notes now. This is why I'm, I'm noticing, you know, this, this idea of us together, this oneness together, I, I go back to what I said earlier. If you're expecting it to be a one-way stream, right, of somebody at the top taking care of all this, I, I'm just going to be frank with you. You need to remember Pastor Matt, he has a full-time job too, right? Um, I'm doing some things this year that's going to try to help me organize myself a little better to maintain, but uh, being a school teacher, not easy. And so this is why I, I, I plead with you. I say this is this is a together aspect. This is something we're doing together. And I, I'm with Charity when she says, you know, it, it's it's for me it's a relief sometimes. Like, so glad somebody did something with that because I completely I've dropped the ball a lot. Okay. And, and, and so this is something that we as a church, we've got to grow in together. Looking at, that's why it's, what does it say? One another. Love one another. Care for one another. Look out for one another. We as a church, this is a one another sort of thing. And I think this is an area where we can grow this coming year. Now for those new people here, um, I, I'm just going to be honest. It, for those of you that are not as new, we quickly move you from being brand new part of us, don't we? You're one of us. In fact, you've been here twice, so you're one of us. <laughs> but three times, three times, that's right. Three. Three. You're really one of us. You're really one of us now. You know, as we progression, there's grace for that. You know, being one of us doesn't mean that we expect you to be perfect, does it? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, of course. But being one of us has to do with this we together. For for your part, part of that may mean that you have to come to me and be just say, 
this is where I'm struggling. I'll come to John, I'll come to Katie, I'll come to Charity, I'll come to my mom, I'll come to my dad, I'll come to Shelly, come to all. See, I, I'm not going to stop, right? See, I can go down the list. It's, it's not just about, oh, I need to talk. Now, I'm open. Talk to me. But we're in this together. This one another. The first church was devoted to that way of thinking. We ought to be devoted to that way of thinking as well. It's hard to do, I think, in this world that we live in, isn't it? We have so many other things, activities, things going on that just pull us away from the people of God. And we, of course, we don't want to abandon the, those people that we have out there that we love and care about them, but try to keep in mind that we're devoted to the people of God, and one of our main goals with each other is drawing others in, isn't it? Drawing others in. I think one of the best ways that you may have noticed in a, you go back there. You know, this is what happens when I get off my notes. If you go back here to right here, verses 46 and 47. Notice right here. I didn't have this originally in my notes, but notice praising God and what? Having favor with all the people. I think one of the best things that we can do as a church that draws people in is, and this is something that Edgewood traditionally has been known for, and I think we're still doing a good job with this. People come in and they go, they feel at home. They, they don't feel, you know, outside of what's going on here. They feel drawn in. I think that's what's being conveyed here, praising God and having favor with all the people. It, there's clearly going to be times as Christians that, that the world is going to go, I don't like what you're doing. That's going to happen. But there ought to also be many times where the, the world looks at what we've got and go, I want some of that. I'd like to have some of that. And we as a church, one of the best things we can do, you know, not, not to simplify it like a business, but doesn't word of mouth do a great thing for businesses? I think the same thing is true of churches. If we're doing stuff that's good, voicing that. If we're not doing stuff that's good, we need to fix it. We need to do better. And you and me, we're all part of that process. So as we get head into this new year, I think that this is where our minds ought to go. What was this first church like? They were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to one another. Let's make that our devotion. The Word of God and one another. So when we continue on through this path of life, when you hit those bumps in the road, I can voice and I can say right now, like Janie mentioned, you can say, I need help. And we will, we will do what we can do. Right? We want to be here for you. But I expect the same thing of you. Are you going to be here for us? Are you going to be here for them? Are you going to be here for them? Right? We all have to be in this to win it. Right? We all have to be in this all the way. Lord, I want to be part of your people. And we guard what you're doing. I want to share one last quote here. Completely off my notes here. Let me get to the notes. Tony Meredith again. I had a quote from him earlier. He said this, and I, I put this one down. I actually wasn't for sure if I was going to share this or not, but I, I, I just it, it struck a struck a nerve with me, and I thought, you know, that I think this is so essential for how we think about when we go out into the world and we have our circles of friends out there, because I think this is something that plagues the church. Notice what he says here. He says, if people are out of fellowship with Christ, then they will be out of fellowship with the church. And if people are out of fellowship with Jesus's people, that is an indicator. And I'm glad he put it that way. It's an indicator that they may be out of fellowship with Jesus. Uh, one of the things I think that plagues our modern American society is there are many people that say 
They, they, I mean, you talk to them and they're like, yeah, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. That doesn't compute. The church is the body of Christ. You can't take one without the other. There's a lot of reasons why some may have been burned, quote unquote, by people that have done church bad. But what can we do to fix that? Number one, do church right. Do church right. Be a beacon of this is what church ought to be like. So when people come in, they go, this is what church should be like. Come in here and they go, man, a bunch of messed up people. They love each other. They love Jesus. They're, they're, They're trying to do what he wants. What a great testimony that would be. And so if you're out there with your friends and they go, I don't know, church, you go, I, I think we should get to a place, and I think we're, I think we're there. Get to a place where you go, we should try it as we Right? We should try it. It's not, it's not perfect. In fact, it's kind of weird sometimes, but, but I think God's there. I think the love of Christ is filtering through the people there. I think we need to do church right. Do church God's way. As we head into this new year, let's lay everything else aside. Let's, together as a group, say, let's do this the right way. That may mean growing in areas. I know there's areas I need to grow in as a pastor. Grow in those areas. There may be areas that for you as a, a participating person of this church, you may say, I need to grow in these things, be more connected with the people that are there because I want to be connected with I'm going to pray, and uh, when I'm done, I'm going to let you guys be dismissed. But I want you to know, if you're sitting here today and you're going, I need to grow in this. Maybe you don't even know exactly what this is. You just go, I, this, this, I want to play a part in this. I want to do better. I want to help improve what's, what's going on here to do church God's way. Um, I want you to know I'll be praying for you. If you want specific prayer, feel free to come and tell me. Pray for me. I want, I want to be a better part of what what God is doing, being part of his people. Let's pray.